beast is making me What's time but a thing they kill or keep a fire or lose a living I gotta go faster, keep up the pace Just to stay in the human race I could go supersonic, the problem's chronic Tell me, does life exist beyond it? When I need to sate, I just accelerate Into oblivion Into oblivion Buenos nachos amigos and welcome to Record Breakers I'm Petey Rave and this will be the only time you'll see me in a one-shot. Here with me, as always, is my team. We've got none other than Brett. Hey. We've got Drew. Hey. And we've got Patrick. Hello. Uh, hey. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about music. And, of course, the bringer of the music this week, the provider, the sharer this week, is none other than Brett. Brett, what do you got for us this week? Uh, we got the uh, 2003 release by The Strokes, Room on Fire, uh, the album that came off the heels of one of the most critically acclaimed albums of the first decade of the millennium and the uh, other lists that are more hyperbolistic than that even. Um, you know, critically acclaimed, hit number four on Billboard 200, certified gold, etc. Yeah. Um, Drew, what expectations did you have coming into this album? Uh, well... I knew uh, some of the Strokes stuff. As as Brett said, the Strokes were pretty well critically acclaimed. Uh, they got some good radio airplay on the alt-rock station around me, 88.9, The Alternation. Um, and also one of the songs on this album was on Guitar Hero, which I think everybody my age played way too much of. Um, so I... I sort of had expectations um and we'll go into whether my worries were founded or not mm-hmm. uh patrick what were your expectations coming into this album um in the early 2000s there was this like weird 60s garage rock revival where there was like 10 bands called the something or others and the strokes were kind of the first of them they were the one that started it and i'll blame them for it um, we've used it before with the white stripes sort of came out of that same scene, although they're stylistically a little different. Um, and they, there was just this series of bands that thought they were the goddamn kinks and they're not. So, yeah. Uh, so Brett, what would, how would you describe the themes and elements of this record? All right. Uh, let me break it down. Uh, lyrically, uh, the, there's, there's, there are things that I really enjoy about the way that they write their lyrics. Um, that stray away from other bands of the genre. Um, you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a song that has, you know, lyrically is full of self-loathing or self-loathing or, you know, some existential most mope fest. Uh, you know, they tend to, uh, write songs about being sick of somebody, most likely a woman, uh, doing the dirty work of telling somebody that are not interested in them. Uh, less of the, uh, baby ran away on me. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, let me cry about it. Um, but I'm not a lyrics guy. Vocally, um, the, this, this is of the genre that sort of jumped on and not exactly in the same way to have the, the style that the vocals use. Um, the, 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 the vocals and the strokes are, are used kind of like an overdrive guitar. Um, you, uh, Mr. Casablancos uh, controls the breakup uh, using the volume of this voice through the microphone. Um, and uh, it adds a little bit of dynamics um, 
it doesn't straight up sound like a broken speaker all the time because there are times when he could like put less vocals into it but when he does break up it adds some uh, a kind of separation between the guitars and the bass so you can actually hear like this is an album where you can hear um like you know the guitars do a good job of staying off of each other's toes in the mix um and, and normally you would have the vocals being somewhere in between the guitars and the bass in the mix but with having a certain kind of uh, of overdrive to the vocals you can sort of hear everything that's going on um, the bass on this album is is pretty much it's it's not the most uh, it's not straight up carrying the root around, but it is uh, it, it's not much more than that. But these are fairly simple songs. Uh, the the bass does carry the low frequencies and does lay the foundation because the the guitars tend to do other things. Um, the the uh, the guitars tend not to not to carry the progression. The bass does. The guitars tend to be doing something, either doing a lead um, or doing like a uh, an, an like a, an off key or not off key, but uh, um, off the root, not main. It's not following every root with a power chord. Um, the bass is, is laying that down. Um, and overall, I have to say this band has the most rock and roll names of its members. Uh, you know, Julian Casablancas, Albert Hammond Jr., uh, Nick Valenci, Nikolai Frazier, and Fabrizio Moretti. Uh, you know, I you can't make that shit up, kids. Yeah. Um, it's the most ridiculous name, like prep school kid band ever. Yeah. Naming after a deodorizer. That's nice. Fabrizio. Uh, Drew, what would be the themes that elements that caught your attention? Uh, as I alluded to, uh, in the A block, I was worried. Um, because when I remember hearing them on the radio and such when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, um, when I was a teen, I guess, I just, I didn't really get it. Um, and I still don't, I guess. Um, for all the reasons Brett actually said that he enjoys this music are the reasons I found that I just couldn't find myself like having fun with any part of this record. Um, the whole thing uh, from the vocals down sounds like it's trying to be cool. Like it sounds like though it's like trying really hard to be like a cool dude. The vocals are aloof. They almost sound like they're falling out of his mouth. They're so nonchalant uh, most of the time. And and like Brett was saying, it has that like overdriven quality to it where the vocals are thick, but without much like tone to them, I feel like. And I never, that was not uh, great to me. Um, the guitars are uh, crunchy. There's some cool sounds there, but it's, it's thick. It's, they're just overdriven. They're crunchy. And it sounds like they're going for that lo-fi garage rock sound we're in a day and age where you don't the garage rock sound was because that's all that you had access to. We're in a day and age where that's not really the case anymore. Um, you can, you can care about your tone. You can try something harder. The lo-fi sound is a, the lo-fi overdriven, crunchy, like overly thick sort of guitar tone that I felt they were getting was a stylistic choice. And one that I just didn't care for. 
Um, it's that too cool for school, like rock star feel to him. The weird part is that the, the flashes where I enjoyed myself were actually in a couple of tracks on the bass, which is the part that Brett just sort of signed off on. Um, because the tone that they got in the bass was something that was this like really cool, hollow, uh, deeper sound. So when the now, bass, now I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. Wasn't I will talk about the I will I will further talk about the bass. I was not writing the bass off. Okay, but um, that the was bass, that was bassist? that's completely that's a basis statement right there. I'd not <laughs> look. We're so used to being written off that as soon as anybody says something weird, I automatically get defensive about bass. It is in my nature. Bassist. <laughs> that being said. <laughs> we talking about bassists. Yes. Yeah. Uh but yeah, anything else, Drew? You want to finish any last thoughts? You, I'm letting ready? you finish. No. Oh, no, sorry. that was pretty much it. Alright. He said he was gonna let me finish, but I I was pretty much finished. Okay. <laughs> uh Patrick. What themes on Omelist caught your attention? Um, so I'm gonna start with the things I liked. The interplay between the guitars is great. It they're as Brett kind of said, somebody's usually doing a lead, somebody's usually doing something else, and it works really well together. The bass is good. The bass it drives, it works in the way a bass player in a three-piece punk band works. You gotta play the, you know, you gotta drive the song, you gotta be there so everyone else can, can do their thing on top. The drums were adequate, but I, I don't mean that in necessarily a bad way but they're adequate in the way Ringo was adequate. Like, not really any flourish, not really anything exciting, but it worked. But someone decided in 2003 to record vocals with a Play School tape recorder from 1988. And Jesus Christ, if you want to distort vocals, call Melissa Cross, you live in New York City and your dad's made of money, and have her teach you how to fucking scream. It's not hard. You can learn how to do it without damaging your voice. It's a thing. Like, don't just don't just turn up the fucking gain on the microphone and shove it down your throat. It's it drove me crazy the entire album that the vocals sounded like garbage. Purposefully. There's no there's no this 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 was an album made with label money. This was an album that they could record wherever they want with a guy who fucking produced, you know, Radiohead Records, who I have mixed feelings about, but at least know how to make an album sound good. And the guitars sounded fantastic. The bass sounded nice if a little, if a little, you know, snappy 60s, which isn't my style, but it sounded nice. The drums were a little spotty and the vocals sounded like, like a bathroom on a play school tape recorder and it drove me crazy. It's the dumbest aesthetic for music and it kind of ruins them for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that, it is definitely an affectation doing the lo-fi thing and something i think we talked about on the show before uh but yeah brett i'm going to disagree i don't think that it is a lo-fi thing uh because yes it's well the vocals are done through a way that uh that you know as as you put more punch to them they they do distort but there are still times when the vocals are clear it's not like some bands were there it's constantly that is the vocal tone of it and also, there's some fucking tone from those guitars that is as clean as can be. Yeah, the guitars some, sound some strat through a deluxe reverb. There is some some no 
uh, lo-fi of you know if if by lo-fi you mean a couple of guys with a with a stomp box and an old tube amp uh it's it's lo-fi but uh i i think that part of the things that make it sonically separate to let you be able to hear stuff is the fact that there's not such a muddying of the mix um and yeah it's different uh the, and it's something that the that the subculture around it has sort of latched onto and done way worse but in 2003 there weren't a whole lot of people that were doing this stuff um and uh it's not necessarily that somebody wants to scream it's that somebody wants to play with the dynamics of how you use a microphone and yeah they, they you know they they could do things other ways but uh, you know when it comes to selling albums that are critically you know well done and they have a good following i don't think they've done anything wrong i think that uh they just did something that's different um, oh i will admit that i'm not cool like i will i will admit to that like i don't fucking get it <laughs> like i've admitted to that before um yes this is a very critically acclaimed album i i don't see why <laughs> but i'll admit i'm not cool like fucking uh, skinny as this wearing this jersey like i'll admit to this like that's fucking fine yeah uh but yeah brett what would be some of the key tracks to zeroing on um okay well you know being not cool as well i, I I'm, I'm way more not cooler than you drew uh we're gonna have a not cool <laughs> off uh but uh reptilia uh th- this is the song of the album for me um uh, I enjoy the way the guitars and the bass uh, do their part um, in in the separation. There's, uh, you know, they get a ton of mileage just by pulling a couple instruments out of the track and then throwing them back in. Um, you know, they even do like rolling the volume knob up to the point where they get a little bit of feedback. They do a little bit of dynamic tricks that don't take a whole lot. They just take a guitar, a stomp box, and a tube amp. Um, and the guitar lick that's played under the chorus is 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 a it's kind of fun to play uh disclosure this is a song that i play all the time um but uh the bass is really what makes this song the the bass uh, gives the platform for the guitars to be able to do different things um and a chance to cut through the mix because it again is the uh, is the the basis of the the entire groove um the guitars are off doing their own things off on uh on different levels where the the bass is carrying um the actual song the progression um, the song Automatic Stop, uh, I really like the layering of the different uh, voicings um, from the like the jangle uh, guitar on the on the off stroke, um, the bass uh, hanging out where rhythm guitars normally do uh, and, and the lead coming in really, really hot. But, you know, it, it, not overstating, um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it does what it wants to do. In a way, because this whole album is all about people that are way more skilled at playing these instruments than what is actually being put on the record. But there is a there is a beauty to the simplicity of a lot of this stuff that uh, they don't have to do. All, it's not about maximum music per per second, but which you know I kind of enjoy that stuff too. But this this album is that this is not where this shines. Um, and then the track "The End Has No End." Uh, th- this is. Uh, it has a tone that I assume um, is a wah pedal that you stick at like, you know, you, you leave it and you stick it uh, to, to color the tone um, for that repeating guitar lick. Um, it, it, and, you know, while the, the second guitar plays a, a simple alternating line, 
Um, and again, the bass does what the bass is good at. Um, you know, I, I, I like these three songs. There are other songs that do some neat stuff. There's, there's songs in there where they use a guitar, uh, as a synth. Um, there, there's some stuff in there, but, uh, you know, I, I think those, if those three songs, you listen to them, you sort of get a taste for what the album has to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew, what would be some of the key tracks that caught your attention? Um, like you said, I'm going to talk about Reptilia because that bass though, um, there's just a cool groove to it. Um, and it was really, uh, fun. Uh, and this was like Brett said, I think the high point, um, of the record for me, but I, I would be missed if I didn't mention the fact, uh, that as a bass player playing these songs on guitar hero and having to actually do chords, fuck that noise. I will always have bad memories of colored notes coming at me with this song because I'm so Whoa, my, my my my, fin- my fingers don't make chords. They they move chords. That like moving my it's not all good. Um automatic stop. I, the music, the tone it like started coming out um from the beginning was really, really cool. Um but the vocal tone to me stomped on this track a lot. Um, and this was sort of the poster child for the, a bit too close to the mic, uh, to make the vocals sort of overdriven thing that I just did not dig about this record. Um, and it sort of was an infuriating point to me. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, this had a chance to be really good. And then nothing. Um, and on the opposite end of that, was uh, 2051, where I feel like it was the uh, the vocals weren't too close. They weren't super loud, but they sort of had this like thick, almost like fuzz to them uh, that filled the space. But you could barely hear what the vocals were doing because they were sort of put lower in the mix, which was super weird to me. Um, but the keyboard like effect was really, really close. Um, to making this like super super cool to me but i kept losing because i was trying to hear uh things that i felt that i should be hearing more of and i wasn't um and then under control was kind of the the one that like that one felt like it was that garage rock revival thing that like they sort of spawned um and it was just that's the thing that was annoying to me about them and some of their contemporaries and in the indie rock uh garage rock scene and that was sort of the poster child for it for me mm-hmm. uh patrick what would be some of the key tracks for you um disregarding the vocals there are a couple of songs i liked uh reptilia it's got a great bass opening it's dead simple but it works and i really really like the guitars on that it is it, they work so well together that it, it's hard to ignore that. And 1251, um, I liked the way the guitar melody was the, you know, match the vocal melody. It worked. It was a nice, it was a nice sounding song and it had a, it, the vocals were a little less horrific at moments, but I still like it. I'm so bothered by it as a, as a decision that was made to do on the entire record that it, it like, they're clipped, they're EQ'd into this weird little pocket, and it it just, I, it ruins what is 
otherwise, you know, four other good musicians in the band for me. Because, you know, everyone else is doing their part and doing it well. I just hate the vocals and it's inexcusable in 2003 to sound like garbage. Um, in 1997, this... garbage sound. sound. God damn it. Oh, sorry. God sorry. God didn't mean... sorry. I'm sorry. I, I will make it up to you. I am sorry. I did not mean to take the wind from your sails, brother. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to make a, I was going to make a garbage usually sounds like a female and very pretty, but God damn it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Sad that you did not make that joke. I was uh, gonna make it earlier, but then like you kept talking, and I was like, "Damn it, I don't want to interrupt him. He's making points." Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can always interrupt me to make jokes about the band Garbage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's bring it back around the horn to for some uh, conclusive thoughts. True. Uh, what would be your conclusive thoughts on this record? Um, I've been known to be wrong, uh, and that's fine. Uh, I was obviously wrong on my last pick, um, and I'm ready to be wrong here. Um, but this, uh, the Strokes and the sort of indie garage rock thing that the Strokes sort of uh, were part of the beginnings of, I just don't get it. Um, I know that there's there's a lot there for the people who do get it, uh, so I'm not uh, disparaging them in any way, because um, obviously there are a lot of critics that agree that this album is great. So it's one of those things where your mileage obviously may vary. Uh, I did not dig this. This was not really my cup of tea per se. Um, and it mostly stems from the things Swire kept uh, griping on, which was the weird choice in like the vocals. And that's just what it was for me. Um, there was, there was solid parts, solid parts from every musician in certain parts that made me think, Oh wow. Okay. They, they get it. They, they're musicians. They know what they're doing, but they just, the stylistic choice for me just took me out of it. Uh, Patrick, what would be your conclusive thoughts on this album? Um, there I'm, I'm thinking back to 2003 cause I remember that. In 2003, this is what I imagine is the reason the White Strokes, Hives, Vines happened. Like, that, <laughs> that, that thing happened because in 2003, anyone who wrote for a music publication was so fucking sick of, of, that, of the era of pop music that we were in, like, the midst of. Like, it was all Britney Spears, NSYNC. Like Blink-182, the Sum 41... Uh, but we'll give that too. But everything, everything that was popular was hyper produced, or you know, the remnants of pop punk that was Blink One Eighty Two and Some Forty One and Pretty. Some Plan and all that, and still is. Yeah, and and I guess in in that context, you would latch onto a band like this that was just making rock and roll music. But maybe because it was overplayed, maybe because I it just. So everyone knocked Tool for being pretentious. Can we talk about how fucking pretentious it is for a bunch of boarding school kids to make a 60s revival band? They're not responsible for the education or the upbringing that they got. Musicians I, I don't, don't get to I choose know, that. Like, or the like, fact that they were classically trained in their instruments. How dare they be good at them? Uh, no, it's not I, about I just them think being it's a... good at them. It's like, like, 
it just it it feels like everything everyone talks shit about Brooklyn right now and that whole like hipster thing. This is just hipster 12 years ago. Like this yep. is this is hipster 12 years ago. It is. I'm so cool. I'm going to turn myself into 1964 and fuck you. And like, it's, I don't think anybody in 1964 was playing some of the, like, I, I have to disagree with some of this stuff, but you are entitled to your opinion. Yeah, it's an opinion. I think that, that they, they are not responsible for the genre of music that people put them in because I, I bet if you talk to them, they do not think of themselves as an indie rock band. Because no, there's no, no reason to no, think of them as an indie rock band. They want to be the Kinks. No, they don't. The, who wants to be the also ran of the, the yeah. Uh, no, I think they just had some songs and they wanted a style that would separate themselves. Um, I think that everything they do in this album from the from the way that they layer the tracks they write, they compose, is way better than anything that, that uh, a lot of bands in the 60s that are popular were doing in a much simpler way that is way more earwormy and can also sell records, which is what you do when you make an album, especially a sophomore outing uh, like this one, where they had to follow up what many people put on the best album ever list uh, in This Is It, uh, which, people you know, really whether think that's or not... the best album ever? But no, no, in I'm a list. They put it in a list. Um, I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying that I, I like the fact that this is the second outing with this band. They were able to do something. Now, mind you, Today, if you went and listened to more modern stuff that they have done, they get they stray away from some things because some things are went out of vogue. Flea doesn't play slap anymore because that got old and tired. Um, because you know it, it, the people people shift and move, but these are like people that were made that were song crafters um, that knew what they were doing. Whether the production end or like you know I'm a guy who listens to a band that many people write off just because of the lyrics. Rush, those guys are great. They have lyrics that are that are very, you know, divisive. I can still find things in there to, to pick out outside of the vocals in the strokes that I think doesn't lead to straight blaming people being for being pretentious. I think that's just people doing things that other people didn't do. And just because people do it afterward, you can't blame them for, you know, bringing it in. Just like I can't blame the White Stripes for everything that I wish I could. <laughs> uh yeah uh but yeah any more conclusive thoughts about the album brett no not really i mean if, if you if, if you want to watch, listen to a rock band um this is a rock band they they do some stuff in it it's it's pretty tightly produced they said that if they had a couple more weeks they could do a lot better but i think you know for the the fact that this album came out and did as well as it did at the time that it did which in 2003 Three, the music industry was going down in flames. Um, they they did pretty okay and are still able to be the same band and do things differently. I think is is important. But uh, you know, it, you'll be hard not to have listened to some of this album. Um, you probably already have opinions, but I think if you listen to it again, you can listen to sort of the nuances inside the album and sort of draw from that uh, what I was trying to bring to the table. Mm-hmm um all right so that that those are our conclusions uh now we go to the main events of the evening like i say every week our haiku reviews uh you know sum it all up in in some poems uh drew what is your haiku i guess i am just the most uncool in the room don't really get it 
I'll throw mine in the middle. Uh, sets their sound apart and does so unflinchingly, for better or worse. Uh, Patrick, what is your haiku? Contrived garage rock recorded in a bathroom. Cannibalism. And Brett, what is your haiku? Refrigerate? No. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> uh, they're not quite lo-fi. Beauty and simplicity. Straight up rock music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that br- wraps up our thoughts on the Strokes Brap, Brap, Fire. Brap, uh, you can, of course, find this album on our Spotify playlist. Uh, and we keep track, you know, let you play home, Record Breakers, the home game. Uh, also on that playlist, presumably so, is going to be next week's pick, and that is provided by none other than Drew. Drew, what do you got for us this week? Or next week? Well, uh, next week, we're uh, taking quite a different shift. Uh, going back to the 90s, 1998, I believe this record was. Um, band called uh, Lag Wagon from uh, California with their song, uh, Let's Talk About Feelings. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about feelings, but let's do it next Baby. week. Yeah. Talk about you and me. We'll do it next week, and certainly not in just a few minutes, but next week. Next yeah, I'm going to turn this hat ar- around. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's not over. I'm sure I won't be wearing this jersey. Uh, Drew does 14 wardrobe changes during the award ceremony. Yes. How does he do it? <laughs> yes. Uh, but that brings us to the end of another fantastic episode of Record Breakers. Uh, you can find us all over the internet. Patrick is at Swagger. Brett is at Hibbity Beverage, H I B B I T Y B I B B A R D. Drew is at X Lucifer X. I'm at PD Rave. The show's at four record breakers. That's the number four record breakers. Recordbreakerspodcast.com. Recordbreakerspodcast at gmail.com. Email us with thoughts and questions and concerns and complaints. Uh, and emu us too. I, yes. I want to emu. Yes. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher. Give us reviews on there as well. Give us you know some positive reviews, hopefully. Uh, Give us any reviews. Yeah. Any. Uh, yeah. Just do the things. Subscribe, like, share. Until next time. Hasta los huevos. The space horse rides again.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>